We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, so what's going on, Bears fans? Welcome in. All right, it's myself, Hussein Koshal here. I have my co-host, Andrew Freeman, in the house, too. We are doing a live stream for the first time, so thanks for tuning in. You can follow us on Twitter. Our handles are right there in the next, literally next to our names. But, Andrew, man, what's going on? It's been a eventful first day for the Bears. Uh, eventful is one way to put it. Exciting, I think, is the better way to put it because the Bears have – Hope. You know, we've been talking about all offseason what they're going to do at the quarterback position, and they made their move. You know, whether, you know, we were talking about it being Russell Wilson early in the offseason, uh, training for making that trade there. They eventually make the sign for Andy Dalton. That wasn't very well received, but uh, making this bold move here in the first round of the draft last night, trading up from 20 to 11 to get Justin Fields, uh, has to have every Bears fan excited because Bears fans, you got your guy. That's all you need to know about this pick. Justin Fields, he's a fantastic prospect. I don't know how we got to 11. I don't know how he fell that far, but I'll take it because uh, he's going to have a chip on his shoulder now, and the Bears, they have their guy. That's that's really the main takeaway from here. You know, We can talk. Obviously, we're going to get into it throughout the course of this live stream here, but we can talk all day about you know what the Bears can do with the rest of this draft here. But at the end of the day, they got their quarterback, and that and that's the most important thing. Even if every other pick doesn't work out here, if Justin Fields hits, this is a home run draft for the Bears right here. Yeah, I think it's certainly interesting because we talk about a lot of the players and just the way that the draft went. The stars and the dominoes kind of fell in the Bears' way for once. But I think with Justin Fields, what the Bears are getting is a really complete quarterback prospect. He can win through the air. He can hit nearly any pass that's required in this Matt Nagy offense. He can also beat you with his legs. And then you talk about his toughness. He 
came back in that game against Clemson in the college football playoff, absolutely just lit Clemson up through for five or six touchdowns. And then you're also getting a player who's really intelligent, really respected by his teammates. I mean, NFL Network reported this this morning that Ryan Day, his college head coach, called him a generational-type talent. I Ultimately, when you look at that, the Bears didn't just see – a really good quarterback in fields here. They didn't just see a guy that many consider to be the second or third best quarterback in this draft. They saw a complete player overall, a player that they know is going to be a foundational pillar moving forward. They saw perhaps the best prospect or one of the best prospects in this draft slip all the way to number 11. And I think when we talk about just the way that the rest of the first round shook out, there were reports that the Panthers were going to take fields. There were reports that, well, maybe Denver could take fields, but those two teams obviously went defense. And then the Eagles, they jump in front of the New York Giants as well as the Dallas Cowboys to grab Devontae Smith. And as soon as the Eagles made that pick, it really opened the door up for the Bears to strike a deal with fields. Yeah, it got really interesting once we got to pick A with the Panthers there because I kind of felt like the Detroit Lions, you know, unless they were trading down with the Patriots for maybe the Patriots to get up to to, uh, seven there, I I didn't feel like the Detroit Lions were going to be taking Justin Fields there. I thought once Penesul was on the board for them, that was the direction they would go with. And once we got to A, that's where things get interesting because you look at the Panthers, obviously they made that move for Sam Darnold, but – you know, are they committed to really Sam Darnold long term here? I'm not really too sure. Obviously, it seems like they are now that they ended up picking JC Horn, cornerback, uh, there. So that was surprising. You know, I kind of marked down Carolina as the ideal trade up spot for the Bears if they wanted to go after Justin Fields because I just feel like the Carolina Panthers, they needed more draft capital after making that move for Sam Darnold. It would be an ideal spot, I think, I felt like. But obviously, Carolina, they like JC Horn quite a bit. Moving on there to Denver, then. That's where things got really nerve-wracking for me because I thought Denver, even though you know they made that trade for Teddy Bridgewater, they still drew Lott there. I I'd, I have a hard time seeing it that they would feel like those two are the answer for their roster. Because you look at the rest of that roster, it's a complete, well-rounded roster. They are a quarterback away from being something special in Denver there. So I got really nervous there because you know obviously the Bears could have traded up to nine and we would see what happens. But you know Vic Fangio obviously loved Patrick Sertan. And uh, Patrick Sertan, he's a big fan of type of cornerback there, very technically sound. And they got a good player there. But, whoo, man, that's a, that's a bold decision for them to pass up on uh, a player like Justin Fields at quarterback. And then, like you said, once we got the 10, I thought that was the ideal spot then after that to then make a trade because the Cowboys, they obviously wanted to get a cornerback with that 10th overall pick. And you could tell that they were kind of scrambling, trading back there with the Eagles. So the Eagles, I was really nervous. I thought they were um, – for a split second there, I thought they were going up for fields because obviously you look at they have Jalen Hurts there at quarterback, but are they really committed to them to him? I, I don't I don't know if they're really committed to him long term. But getting a guy like Devontae Smith that kind of helped things a little bit with me here. And you know if you were following me on Twitter the entire time, you know I was freaking out during the, during that entire thirty minute stretch. You know I was obviously all my tweets basically like go get go up and get fields, go up and get fields, and uh, lo and behold we get to pick eleven. Under, underrated storyline here. Dave Gellerman, a GM who is notorious for not trading down. This is his first trade down, I think, ever as a GM for him in the draft. He tr- traded down for the first time. And what a time to trade down, man. That was that was just absolutely insane. I, I got a little bit nervous for a second. I was like, oh, pl- oh God, please, please don't be Mac Jones. Please do not be Mac Jones. But uh, it worked out 
perfectly I, I, for the Bears here. Uh, what was your kind of reaction and thought process while that entire scenario was kind of working out throughout this thing? Yeah, I was super excited because I kind of felt like, listen, going into this entire draft process, that the Bears really had a liking for Justin Fields. Now, obviously, that's become true, but I think when we look at it, there were talks of, oh, well, could the Bears possibly move up to four, and how many first-round picks would they have to give up? What about that a deal like the 49ers made for Trey Lance? But then I look at the compensation. Forget Fields, the player, for a second. Just look at the compensation that the Bears gave up. I mean, the most significant asset that Chicago gave up was the 2022 first-round pick, which I've always been of the opinion that you don't know where that 2022 first-rounder is going to be. It could be number one overall. It could be 32nd overall. But for and you don't know whether any of the quarterbacks in 2022, like a Sam Howell, a Carson Strong, a Tyler Show, Spencer Rattler, Kedvin Slovis, none of those guys are going to be as good as, um, you know, or could be as good as Justin Fields, if not better. So you sacrifice a future pick that just had uncertainty around it. But then you also look at the Bears gave up a 2022 fourth and I believe a 2021 fifth mm-hmm. rounder as well. So really with the Bears, I mean, they got the better end of the deal here because if you're the Giants, like, okay, yeah, you get a first overall or a 2022 one and now you have two first rounders in 2022. But then at the same time, like you move back, you lost out on Devontae Smith. You lost out on Jalen Waddle. The Giants, they also went ahead and they got argued Man, a wide receiver in Kadarius Tony that a lot of people think isn't even a first round talent, a guy that has yeah. concerns regarding route running. Ultimately, right? My reaction was I was not super, I was stoked when it happened, but I really wasn't super surprised because I think that the way that you also look at the top 10, I mean, you had some quarterbacks in the, or you had some teams in the top 10. Look at Miami, look at the Cincinnati Bengals, look at the Detroit Lions. Those are teams that have their quarterbacks of the future in place. So naturally for the Bears, it was almost like things began to really slip. And things fell in their favor. But we have a comment in the chat here on YouTube. And guys, make sure you're chiming in. We will comment some of, or we'll project some of yours up on screen. But I see 11 Bravo here says, Rondale Moore in the second round and Jackson Carmen in the third round. What are your thoughts? Uh, I don't think I'd hate that. Uh, I think, honestly, they should go the offensive tackle route first because I think those guys are going to be flying off the board in the second round. But, I mean, we'll get to that more, I think, as we go on here. But, you know, Rondale Moore, he's a very exciting playmaker, so I wouldn't hate that whatsoever. Carmen, I have a little bit of an issue with, but we can kind of, uh, you know, talk about that further as we go along with that. You know, going back to Justin Fields here and, uh, you know, how this all works out for the Bears, uh, I want to get your thoughts on how they think they're going to handle this uh, with Andy Dalton now as a, you know, QB1, so to speak, uh, as they tweeted out because, you know, Ryan Pace said in his post-draft presser that Andy Dalton is still the starter, that they have a plan to develop Justin Fields. You know, Justin Fields kind of struck me as a guy that he does have to work, I think, on getting his process a little bit quicker. It's not that he isn't, you know, like a guy that can't go through progressions. Like he can go through progressions, uh, full field reads, and do all that stuff. It's just a matter of sometimes he does have a tendency to kind of be a click slow. Um, and that's probably the main thing that they're going to be working on, I think. But you look at the rest of Justin Fields' game, he's a guy who's pro-ready because he's mechanically sound, he's accurate at all three levels of the field, and even if his process is a little bit slow at this point, like you can still work around that. We saw what they were able to do with Trubisky last year, provide, putting him in an offense in a scheme that made things a little bit easier for him because he struggled with this process, and you can do the same thing with Justin Fields as he gets better at that. But with Andy Dalton here as a starter, you're now in a situation to where you don't have to play Justin Fields right away. So what are your thoughts on – 
what the Bears are going to be doing with this plan here at quarterback because they could, you know, theoretically make this a competition in camp, but they could also say, you know, any all this is your year. Justin Fields, you'll have the city year. We can work on work on a few things here and there. Uh, you know, what do you think their ultimate plan and end goal here is for this quarterback situation? I think what they do is take a approach, take an approach very similar to what Matt Nagy did in Kansas City. And if you guys caught the Ryan Pace press conference last night where he was talking about Justin Fields, I know it happened around midnight, but it was interesting because from the way that Pace phrased everything, it sure sounds like Matt Nagy is going to have the loudest voice in the room when it comes to developing Justin Fields. And Pace even said, he's like, hey, Matt has a blueprint for how we're going to go about doing this thing. That ultimately screams to me that the Bears are going to go into 2021. Yeah, Andy Dalton's going to be the starter. Sure, we've been here before and Pace has doubled down on a veteran quarterback being the starter, but this time I think it's different because this time they're not just going to throw Justin Fields in there and throw him to the Wolves because then that's going to stunt his development. No, they're going to really slow down. I think that when you look at Matt Nagy, the extensive research that he's done on Justin Fields really shows that they're not looking at this thing as just being a something where Justin Fields is going to play at some point in 2021. Now, I still think that's going to happen, but I think that we're not going to see him until at least sometime October, November ish, you know, and if the bears are in the playoff hunt, man, maybe even you just rest your starters in week 17, but really the bears are going to take this really slow. You mentioned the processing. I think one of the biggest knocks on rookie quarterbacks coming when they transition from college to the NFL is that play speed gets so much faster. And when play speed's getting faster, you need to be able to do things like get the ball out quickly. And so the reality of the situation for fields is that it's like the processing's obviously been an issue. The question is, can he go ahead and you know, can the Bears get him to speed the processing up? Now, I do think there are things that Fields does, such as getting the ball out quickly, right? His escapability, his ability to get out of the pocket, the mobility as well, and just throw on the run. Those are things that are going to help his processing speed as well. But ultimately, the Bears are going to take this slow, and that's totally okay too, because sometimes slow and steady wins the race. Yeah, I'm totally fine with that as well. I, I think personally, they're going to do everything they can to make sure that Andy Dalton is starting every game or every meaningful game, I should say, in, in 2021. And, you know, Justin Fields, like you said, I think he can work on his processing. I don't think it's a fatal flaw or anything like that because there are multiple instances on tape where he is processing well and he's getting through his reads in an efficient manner. You know, it, it's not a it's not like Trubisky where he's almost incapable of processing and the game's just too fast for him. That's not the case here. The, the, the game is not too fast for Justin Fields. I, I feel like it's almost like he's just over-aggressive trying to go for the big play at times, and that's what might slow him down a little bit because he's trying to go for the big play, which is nice. You want a quarterback that's aggressive and wants to get those big shot plays down the field. That's what this offense has been missing over the past uh, few years here. Uh, but, again, I think it's something they can work on, especially if they give him a year to adjust to the NFL, uh, get used to this scheme, uh, get used to the terminology of this offense. He could take off them in 2022 and really be special because Andy Dalton, this is not like a Mike Glenn situation, you know, where, you know, Mike Glenn, he was a guy that the Bears clearly overpaid. He was a guy that was clearly just a backup. Uh, it was it was a, just a bad signing from the get-go with that. Um, he isn't being a guy rolled out there that, you know, is not a good quarterback. Andy Dalton is a serviceable starting NFL quarterback. And as long as he's playing well and the Bears are competitive – He's going to be out there on on Sundays. Now, if Justin Fields, if he's like ready to go in training camp and he's he's the guy, then I think you have to question whether you put you just put you just rip the bandaid off and put Justin Fields out there 
because if Justin Fields looks special in training camp and he's just everything's clicking for him right away, then you have to pull the trigger and put him in there. Uh, I, I know Andy Dalton's a nice guy, and it kind of sucks for him because he's going into a situation to where you know the Bears Bears fans in general already were kind of on his bad side anyway, and uh, you know he's he's playing really for his future in the NFL as a starter now, so it's kind of a, a tough situation for him. Uh, but if you have the chance to get Justin Fields on the field, if he's ready to go, you take it. Now, if he needs a year, he needs a year, and that's perfectly fine. I think this roster is good enough to compete in, in the in the short term here in 2021. I don't think they'll be like great or anything, but you know we'll see what happens in Green Bay. We have all the you know all the noise of Aaron Rodgers potentially not playing for Green Bay. Maybe that opens things up a little bit for them in the division. But uh, yeah, I think they'll be a competitive team in 2020 with Andy Dalton under center. Uh, but again, I think they can afford to take their time with Justin Fields here. And that's the main important thing here. If he's ready to go, he's ready to go get him on the field. But if not, take our time here, get him ready for 2022. And in 2022, he can take off and uh, really be fantastic in this offense. Yeah, and you mentioned Andy Dalton. For those of you guys that are watching this right now, make sure you're checking us out, out on YouTube. Andrew does some great film breakdowns. He just did one a couple weeks ago explaining why Andy Dalton is yep. significantly better than Mitch Trubisky because he allows and Nick Foles because he allows the Bears to kind of run the Bill Lazor offense, but also the Matt Nagy offense. I certainly think that when you look at where Chicago's at and it's just in terms of we talk about situations all the time and you and I were kind of doing when we do picks for pace each week we talk about one of the biggest things that we talked about is that the biggest issue with the Bears was situation right so like five years ago they weren't really equipped to develop a rookie quarterback knowing that the head coach was going to be fired that year and now all of a sudden you're going into a year where I think Fields legitimately buys pace and Nagy um, two more, at least two more seasons, right? So I think that this is going to be one of those where two or three more seasons, honestly, because the Bears are in a relatively stable situation right now. And I know that um, a lot of Bears fans back in January, we made fun of the word collaboration so much, and it just got so yeah. annoying to hear. I think when you look at it now, and I tweeted this as well, that the Bears collaboration kind of led them to Justin Fields. Well, hey, if, they, if their collaboration leads into Justin Fields, I'm all for it, <laughs> you know, uh, from that standpoint of things. Yeah, no, this was, uh, you know, th this was their focus the entire offseason, and it paid off here. That's really the main takeaway from this entire thing. Again, it kind of circles back to the beginning of this podcast, talking about, you know, they start off wanting to get Russell Wilson. That didn't work out. They go to the draft here. They got lucky here that, that Justin Fields, quite frankly, fell this far to them, but at the end of the day, they fixed their quarterback. I, I, in my opinion, and, and you know, we'll see what happens long term. I think bigger picture here. This kind of brings a broader con a discussion about uh, what this means for Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy because I kind of mentioned it here. This is a game changer for the franchise as a whole, and this might be the turning point for uh, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy here in terms of saving their jobs. You know, because unless twenty twenty one is a complete disaster from a record standpoint, this team is at the bottom of the league standings. I think Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are safe for at least 2021 because, you know, you're making this investment to get a young quarterback here and you want to make sure that you're doing everything you can to help him out here. Well, what can you do to do that? Stability at the coaching spot, stability with your GM and the way you're building the roster, I think is key here. So they've saved themselves their job for 2021. It really comes down to, can they get Justin Fields ready to go for 2022 and get this offense to a point where they're really taking off that year. That's really the big picture idea here so 2021 i think you look at it here i think brian pace and matt Nagy now right now 
Uh, they are, I think they've said that their jobs to in the short term, whether they are the long-term solutions at those spots remains to be seen. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens in the future here, but uh, this is a move they had to make. And I'm glad they did it because it's a very positive move for the franchise as a whole. Justin Fields had such a big upside and it's, you kind of mentioned it earlier in the stream that, uh, you know, you look at the quarterbacks in 2022, you know, Sam Howell, uh, Rattler, you know, I like those two guys. I think those are guys that could be a uh, very good prospects down the road, but neither of them are as good as Justin Fields, man. That, that's just a fact of the matter. And Alex, yes, I, I will take the crown here for having the largest headphones. I appreciate you making that comment. It, it also, you talk <laughs> about Sam Howell, Spencer Rattler. I feel like when we look at the quarterback position, one of the big things that we want to evaluate is, hey, has this player showed up on a big stage? You look at Deshaun Watson. I mean, he showed up on a big stage. There's a lot of hype about Jalen Hurts a couple of years ago when he was still at Alabama. Hey, could Jalen Hurts be a top quarterback prospect? Because he did show up on a big stage, and I believe it was the 2016 or 2017 championship game when at um, mm-hmm. Clemson, right? And then you look at... Trevor Lawrence showed up on a big stage. Joe Burrow showed up on a big stage. Now, that one thing to me is really appealing because I feel like when we talk QBs, you're looking for guys that can show up when it matters the most, not just guys that are good enough, but guys that are going to elevate their team, their teammates, and the offense around them. And I think that that's exactly what Justin Field did at Ohio State. I mean, the guy had, like, what, 51 touchdowns from scrimmage Mm -hmm. in 2019 alone. His first true season starting. And I think that for a lot of people, when you do look at him, there are comparisons to Cam Newton. We've seen some to Dak Prescott, but like Justin Fields right now is actually talking to the credentialed Bears media and our publisher, Zach Pearson's in there. So follow him on Twitter at Zach underscore Pearson guys and follow us on Bear Report on Twitter as well. But Fields makes an interesting comment. He's like, Oh, yeah, well, I've studied a lot of Russell Wilson. He's deep ball, the way he puts a lot of arc on it, his accuracy and how he carries himself as a leader and as a teammate. This is unique territory for Bears fans because ultimately, I don't ever remember Mitch Trubisky or any other Bears quarterback saying, hey, these are the quarterbacks that I look up to. And so what the Bears are getting here in fields is not just a really good prospect, a true leader as well. Yeah, you cannot question the intangibles here, Justin Fields, because, you know, Justin Fields, he had every reason to opt out of uh, the 2020 season. We got to remember that, you know, he, he had no reason to stay and play in 2020 uh, because he had that great 2019 season. Obviously, he kind of left on a down note against Clemson. That was kind of a game where he did struggle a little bit against a very good Clemson defense. Uh, but, you know, he's coming off a great year. I think he had 41 touchdowns, passing and three interceptions, like just ridiculous numbers that season. And he's been a guy who's been getting a lot of attention, you know, even going back to high school. So everyone knew that he was a great prospect at that point. So he had no reason to play in 2020. But what did he do? He dug his heels in. You know, he took a leadership role in getting the Big Ten back to playing this season in 2020, which is a huge thing, I think, that uh, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy looked at. And, you know, Matt Nagy, you know, he uh, this was kind of something mentioned, I think, by Ryan Day earlier today. Uh, where Ryan Day basically describes, you know, him and Matt Nagy went back and forth and kind of talked and uh, kind of describes Matt Nagy that he saw Justin Fields as a generational prospect. Now, I wouldn't go that far in saying he's a generational prospect, but he's a damn good one. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, looking at this thing here, the intangible that he brings uh, to the table, it's off the charts. I think he's a guy who's determined. Ryan, Ryan Pace mentioned this, that when they were at his pro day, they saw a guy that was determined that he was, you know, dialed in focus wise uh 
And I think that's something that has to go into the evaluation here. And, you know, kind of comparing this to Trubisky, you kind of talked about playing on the biggest stages. You know, one of the biggest knocks on Trubisky, he was a guy who one year of starting experience, a guy, you know, at North Carolina, not the biggest stage in the world, didn't play in a lot of big games. Well, Justin Fields, that's not a, that's not a issue for him. He's a guy who's had a lot of attention going back to high school. Uh, he's been a guy that has had a lot of hype and fanfare about his game. So he's always had that spotlight on him. Goes to Ohio State, big program, and he's played in a lot of big games, and he's played well in a lot of big games. He's had some struggles in some big games. You know, Indiana did not play well in that game. Northwestern was definitely a, a rough spot for him. But look at that Clemson game where he had, I think, seven touchdowns in that game. Just He only made like one mistake, I, I thought, in that game, and, and it was really not even his fault. He got, his ball got tipped, for, went for an interception. He's a guy that has been locked in at, at, in the biggest moments, and you're going to a big state like Chicago. It's going to have a lot of pressure on him to be the guy for this franchise, to change the fortunes of this franchise around. I think he has the mental makeup to do it. Whether he gets there or not is not going to be because, you know, we look at Trubisky, there were some questions of whether he had the mental makeup to make it, you know, being a, as high of a pick he was in a state like Chicago where he has all those hopes and dreams of the fan base on his shoulders. I don't think that's the issue with Justin Fields here. If anything, he has a chip on his shoulder being the fourth quarterback. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Taken in this draft, and he's going to want to prove himself as being the best quarterback from this draft class. And I, I don't think that's the issue here whatsoever. So, I, again, you have to be really excited with it because it just – it changes everything for this franchise. I, I I keep on bringing that up, but it, it has to be noted because before this draft, we were looking at this franchise as just a barren wasteland in terms of you know what was their goal, what was their plan going to the future. Well, now they have a pathway here to where there is a path to success, and it's about getting Justin Fields ready to go, and it's about developing him and making sure that he has a great foundation and supporting cast to help elevate him as well as much as he elevates the rest of the team. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. Right. And you talked about him being a franchise quarterback. I think first things first, April 29th in Chicago should always be known as <laughs> Justin Fields Day. But also, Fields said it. this. 
yeah, Field said this right now. He's like, I don't think there's pressure on me because I expect myself to be a franchise quarterback. So really a guy that has expectations, man, that are sky high. But moving on from Justin Fields here, kind of sticking with quarterbacks, SGF yeah. underscore Spurs says, thoughts on what happens to Foles now? More money wasted. Yeah, Nick Foles, I believe, has like $9 million guaranteed over the next two seasons. Yeah. So it's going to be hard for the Bears to move on from him. I think realistically for the Bears at this point, you either do one of two things, right? You either keep Nick Foles on the roster for 2021 because Brian Pace did say this on Tuesday morning that, hey, our quarterback room would be a really good room to walk into with Nick Foles and Andy Dalton. There, Those are two guys that have played in key situations in the NFL that Justin Fields is going to need to learn how to respond to. But then also you realize that if you're unable to look, if you're going to unload him and trade him, then you know what you need to do so for like a conditional day three pick at best at this point, because getting rid of folds is more about just getting him off the roster, not necessarily just keeping him around because he's just going like, to be like holding a clipboard at this point. He's going to be another quarterback's coach essentially. Yeah. It's, it's a tough situation. Obviously you don't want to have a situation to where you have to eat, $9 million, that is not ideal, obviously, especially with where the Bears are at with their cap situation. Just having you know, that much guaranteed money tied up into a guy who's going to be likely the third-string quarterback, that's that, that's a tough sell. But you know, you look at this thing here, it, there are some good options, I think, with Nick Foles here in terms of what they can do with him. Again, the money issue aside, that's obviously the, the biggest hurdle here in terms of making a deal or even keeping him on the roster. But he does have bring some intangibles to the table in terms of he can help a guy like Justin Fields being that veteran presence in the locker room because you know you, if if you end up keep having a situation where you're keeping him in training camp, you know Andy Dalton's going to be you know focused on being the starter this year. He's not going to be doing a lot of tutoring or mentoring here with Justin Fields. He's going to be focused on being the starter for 2021, and that's totally fine. That's where having a guy like Nick Foles, who is a veteran quarterback, who is a willing you know mentor, I think, to a young quarterback. That, that's where I think that can be helpful in a sense. And like you kind of mentioned it, you said he's basically like another quarterback coach here, which isn't a terrible thing. And, and again, if we are in an emergency situation to where, you know, you need a guy like Nick Foles to step in and play, I mean, he, he would definitely be the, the best third string quarterback in the NFL. That's for sure. But in terms of moving him at this point, I, I think, uh, you know, the Jets could be a, a very interesting situation because you look at their quarterback room. They just drafted Zach Wilson, obviously, but they don't have a veteran quarterback on the roster right now. I think the only other quarterbacks on the roster right now are two guys who haven't even uh, thrown a single pass in an NFL game. So they are actually in need of a quality backup quarterback, a veteran, you know, serviceable veteran there. So, you know, Joe Douglas, he was a G, he's the GM for the Jets right now. It wouldn't surprise me if uh, him and Ryan Pace swung a deal uh, because Joe Douglas worked for the Chicago Bears for a few years when Ryan Pace was first here. So they had that relationship. Like you said, it would probably be for like a conditional seventh round pick. That could be a sixth round pick based off of uh, you know playing time incentives. That could be an interesting case right there. Either way, it's it's tough because they're going to have to eat that money at, at some point, whether it's this year or next year. There are some positives to it. To it, you know, it's not the greatest situation in the world, but it is what it is. And you know, I'll go to another question here, Alex. For you, your Alex, your question here, Alex. I'll get that on here. So Brad Biggs just mentioned Dylan Redunds at fifty-two. Uh, that's interesting. Where does he fall in your remaining OT ranking? So this this is a very interesting talking point because uh, we did not get the run of off offensive tackles that I was expecting at least in the first round here. Uh, you know, I think uh, looking back at this draft board here, we had obviously Panay Sewell uh, went to the Lions there early. You had Slater going to the Chargers. 
Darisaw somehow fell all the way to 23. That was surprising. And then the Raiders did, you know, what the Raiders do with reaching for Alex Leatherwood there. So th- those were the only tackles taken in the first round. So Samuel Cosme, he's still on the board. Obviously, Redunz is still on the board. Uh, Tevin Jenkins is somehow still on the board. And then you have Eichenberg, Walker Little, some of these other guys. So looking at who's available right now, me personally, Cosme was my number four tackle. He's still on the board. And Jenkins was my number five. Uh, those guys are kind of interchangeable to me. I like them both as first-round talents. I thought Redunz was going to be a first-round talent. I thought he was going to be picked in the first round. I'm surprised he didn't go in the first round. Uh, but he would probably be the, the third guy in that chain right there. So you have Cosme, Jenkins, Redunz right there. So uh, if they, if he falls to the Bears at 52, that would be fantastic because Redunz, he can step in and slide to guard right away in the NFL, but he does have the ability to play either tackle spot, I think, Uh you know, I, I think he's probably the third on the board right now is where he's at. I think there's going to be a run at tackles here early on in the second round because you look at some of the teams on the board here, uh, you know, the Jessica's still using offensive tackle. The Bengals, they pass on an offensive tackle. I think they will take an offensive lineman. The Dolphins, uh, they could use another offensive lineman there. So I think we're going to see a run of these guys off the board soon. Uh, if he makes it to 52, though, that would be a fantastic value for them because I think he's a legitimate first-round talent. Um and to get that type of guy at 52, that does a lot for uh, this team moving forward. Yeah, you mentioned the Jets taking a offensive tackle at 34 as we kind of shift away from Justin Fields and just the Bears here, guys. Mm-hmm. We're going to get into more just general NFL draft talk. I think it's interesting because when I look at the top of the second round, so you have Jacksonville, you have the New York Jets, two teams that did draft Lawrence and Wilson last night. Now, I could certainly see Jacksonville going with an offensive lineman. In terms of the Jets, it's interesting because, all right, yeah, you have Denzel Mims there who you drafted last year, but you also took Mekhi Becton. You took Elijah Vera Tucker last year. So with the Jets, it's going to be more of, hey, do you continue to overhaul the offensive line? Or do you continue to maybe take a wide receiver because Rondell Moore is still available, as is Terrace Marshall Jr. from LSU. Elijah Moore is available as well. Amon Ross St. Brown, yep. Dynamic Brown. There's a lot of really good wide receivers that are available. I mean, and then Atlanta is a complete toss-up. I do think Atlanta goes defense to kind of rebuild the defense. Miami... Yep. They could certainly go offensive line. Philadelphia is another team that had the worst offensive line in the NFL last year. They need to go offensive line. Um, same thing with Cincinnati. And then Carolina. I mean, I think Carolina's Carolina's had eight draft picks in the Matt Rule era. All eight have been on the defensive side of the ball. I think tonight's at 39th overall is the first time we see the Panthers take a receiver or at least just some sort of offensive playmaker. But the second round right now, man, it's looking like it's going to be a mixture of, you know, you're going to see your run on offensive tackles. You're going to have a couple wide receivers in there. There's some really good cornerbacks as well, like Asante Samuel Jr., Nick Bolton, the linebackers available, Cameron McGrone, another linebacker that's available. There's just overall with this class, there's really good depth all across the board as we do get into day two here. And then a quick question. Do you think the Bears will trade back at all for more picks? I'll let you take this one first, man. I th- I certainly think it's a possibility. Uh, it, it really depends on who's available at 52 because if there's a guy sitting on their board, especially at tackle or, or on the offensive line or wide receiver, that they just have really high on their board, I think they stay. But it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever to see Ryan Pace try to trade back and get a pick in the fourth or fifth round because 
you, you know, their next pick after 52 is going to be at 83. And then from there, their next pick after that's at 204 in, in the sixth round. So they need a pick in between that pick in, in between those two picks. So they need to get somehow to the fourth or fifth round. I think they're going to try and package some of their sixth round picks to try to get up into the fifth round. Uh, that's just me uh, speculating here, but uh, I, I do think it would be wise if they feel like they can move back, you know, six or seven spots, let's say, get an extra pick and uh, get a fourth rounder. Uh, let's say that would be ideal. I think, because then you have a structure where you're basically, you have your first round pick in fields. You have a second round pick still get your third round pick. You're getting a fourth round pick. You can move back up into the fifth round using, you know, six, two, six round picks, or maybe you, you know, package one of your six round picks with Anthony Miller to move up to the fifth round and get a guy. And then you still have a couple of compensatory six round picks there in, in the sixth round. So I think it would be wise for them to trade down. But if there's a guy like Samuel Cosby or Tevin Jenkins or Dylan Redunds or Elijah Moore, uh, for instance, still on the board and they just can't bring themselves to, you know, pass up on that type of talent, I won't fault them for it because, you know, you can't sh- still trade down at 83 uh, and, and try to get an you know, extra fifth round pick there. But I do think it would be wise for the Bears to trade back. We've seen this happen with Ryan Pace in the four- before when he trades up in the first round, he will be willing to trade back in the second round. He did that when they traded for Trubisky in the first round. Uh, they traded back in the second round. They did that in 2016, I think it was, with Leonard Floyd. They traded up for him, and then they traded down the second round uh, and got Cody Whitehair out of that. So I think this is something that Ryan Pace is willing to do. It's just a matter of who's there at 52. Because if there's a guy like – if Cosme, Jenkins, or Redunds is there at 52, there's no way I think they're passing up on any of those two, uh, any of those three guys. And you talk about trading down. I certainly think that when I look at the board right now, so the Bears are picking up 52 overall in round two. And I look at the string of teams that follow because they are picking in the back half of the second round. All right, Tennessee, necessarily a team. I don't think that they're going to trade down. Indianapolis with Chris Ballard. I mean, we know the general manager there. He's really all about value. And then I look at 55th overall, the Seattle or I'm sorry, the Pittsburgh Steelers that are picking up 55th overall. They're an interesting team as a trade down candidate, especially in round two, because yeah, the Bears are moving down just three spots, three or four spots on the draft board. But then what Pittsburgh also has is they have two fourth rounders. Mm -hmm. And then they have, so the two fourth rounders right here that Pittsburgh would have would be 128 and 140. And realistically, I mean, that would kind of be a pretty decent package in return for just moving back a few spots because let's just say Chicago's on the phone and they're like, Hey, so Pittsburgh, we'll give you guys 52 in exchange for 55 as well as like 128 as well, which is going to give the bears a lot more flexibility. Cause it's like you mentioned it. I don't think that the bears are going to go from 83 all the way to like 206 and not make a pick because there are going to be a lot of like smaller school prospects as well to keep an eye on. And speaking of small school prospects, I think, Two players that are still on the board that I would not be mad if the Bears selected tonight at some point would be Quinn mm-hmm. Minares, who blew up in Mobile, Alabama mm-hmm. at the Reese Senior Bowl, and then Noah Brown, or I'm sorry, Spencer Brown from Northern yeah. Iowa. I think those are two dark horse players to keep an eye on that. Yeah, they are from smaller schools, but Ryan Pace has shown he's not afraid to gamble on small school guys either. Well, Spencer Brown could be the pick at 52 if he's uh, if the if some of the other tackles are off the board. It would not surprise me to see Ryan Pace uh, gamble on Brown's upside because you look at Brown here, six foot eight, long arms, athletic freak. Uh, you look at his pro day numbers, like off the charts testing. It would not surprise me whatsoever if he would have taken a chance on a guy like Brown in the second round because Brown, 
he's somebody that needs a year to get stronger and work on his technique a little bit, but they can afford to kind of, you know, develop him for a year. Cause you still have Leonard there at left tackle. I think he's still a serviceable starter for another year, at least. And then Jermaine Fetty, I think he's fine at right tackle. You could de- definitely do better there, but he's, he's fine for a year. So if you're looking for a developmental player, at tackle, Spencer Brown could be an option in the second round. I think he would be the prime pick if, if the Bears were to trade down somehow. If you could trade down and get him with that trade down pick in the second round, I think that would be ideal uh, to get a guy like Spencer Brown just because there is a lot of risk there. But the upside is tremendous there. And, you know, looking at this thing from a macro view for the Bears, they got their quarterbacks. So they can afford, I think, to take some swings on some guys and try to hit some home runs here because if the quarterback hits, then you know, that's really what matters at the end of the day. But if you can get some of these other guys on day two to hit, um, you know, hit their upside, some of, some of these more higher upside players, uh, that could go a long way as well. And, you know, let's just look at this board here that's for these guys available on the offensive line in particular. I mentioned Jenkins, Eichenberg, Redunz, Cosme. Uh, you look further here, you have Walker Little out of Stanford still on the board. Brown still on the board. Uh, going further down the board, Brady Christensen still on the board. It's just ridiculous. Then you go to the interior guys. Uh, you have uh, Creed Humphrey, best center in this draft, in my opinion. Landon Dickerson, uh, an absolute stud. If it weren't for injuries, he would be a first-round pick. Uh, I'm very confident in saying that. You, you talk about Quinn Miners. Uh, he's one of my favorite players in this class, so he's still on the board. He's a second-round talent, in my opinion. You have Trey Smith out of Tennessee. You have Wyatt Davis out of Ohio State. The board is loaded with offensive line talent right now. And then you look at wide receiver here. Elijah Moore, I think he's the best wide receiver available right now. Him and Terrace Marshall, depending on what you like out of your wide receivers. Rondell Moore, I think he's a guy that uh, could be an interesting pick in the second round. And then some of these other guys, I think that are more fits to go in the third round. But Dwayne Eskridge out of Western Michigan, one of my favorite players in this class. Uh, Tylen Wallace of Oklahoma State, Amari Rogers uh, out of Clemson. This board is loaded. Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, another guy uh, out of USC. And then you have some of these defensive players that will be likely going early as well on day two. Like this board is loaded right now uh, with uh, offensive talent at offensive line and wide receiver. Coincidentally, the two positions where the Bears need a lot of help. So, uh, it's it really is a good spot. I, I kind of tweeted this out last night. The Bears probably couldn't ha- have had a first round go any better for them because they got their quarterback, and the board is loaded at positions of, of value for them. And, and don't discount cornerback as well. If they trade back, I I wouldn't be surprised if they pick a cornerback at some point on day two as well. You look at some of the cornerbacks available here. Uh, Paulson Adebo, he's a guy that I really like. Asante Samuel Jr. I thought for sure he was going to Green Bay. I, I thought for sure that was a done deal, but uh, he's still somehow on the board. He's a first-round talent, in my opinion. So uh, he's a he's a, he's a freak of nature at cornerback. Tyson Campbell out of Georgia. You still have Elijah Bolden, a nice slot cornerback there. Uh, the board's loaded with cornerback talent as well. So the Bears are in a good place. So if they want to trade down, they are in a in a good place to get an offensive lineman, a wide receiver, and a cornerback that could, re- relatively speaking, realistically speaking, uh, contribute on day one for this team. That That's how good uh, this board is for them. Yeah, I 
you mentioned some of the defensive prospects and the bears have done their homework on Asante Samuel jr. He was a guy that they had met, but sticking with the cornerbacks here, I think it's interesting because Ryan pace kind of talked about on Tuesday, how, Hey, listen, Matt Nagy gets so involved in the scouting process. He's one of the reasons that the bears landed Jalen Johnson in round two last year. That is something that's a noteworthy. I know pace doesn't say much, but that's a noteworthy comment right there because you are effectively talking about how, Hey, could Matt Nagy's insight on cornerbacks ultimately look at or lead the Bears to drafting a defensive back tonight? Now, obviously, for me, defensive back would not be my first choice, but no. another player that I want to touch on, you kind of compared him to Roquan Smith, and I for sure thought he was <laughs> going to be the second linebacker off the board. But Jeremiah Owosu-Koroma from Notre Dame, I know some people have kind of looked at him and said, oh, well, he could be like Honey Badger and Tyron Matthew. Well, he's also a guy that you can play at safety. You can play him, you know, multiple spots all over the field. Linebacker, you can have him cover wide receivers, or not wide receivers, but running backs and tight ends. And Owosu-Koroma, I think, would... Number one, he's the best player on the board right now for me. Number two, I think you look at him, he would be a great fit in Sean Desai's defense. Yeah, Wilson Coromoa is interesting because he could play, like you said, linebacker or safety. I think he's another Roquan Smith. I think he's Roquan Smith light in terms of that athletic, uh, undersized linebacker that can move sideline to sideline, cover tight ends and running backs, shut them down in man coverage. Uh, I think he brings a lot to the table. I'm not sure if he's the direction the Bears want to go, but if he's there 52, let's say, and he's just like sticking out as best player because he's he's my he's my number one linebacker in this class and the Bears. You know, obviously they broke on Smith here, but they do need a linebacker at some point because Dan Trevathan, you know, he's he's uh, on, on his on his decline, let's say, as a player is getting up there in age. You know, could that be a realistic option? Maybe. Uh, you look at some of these other guys here. You know, there is there are a lot of really good defensive players at other positions here that could be going ahead of the Bears, so that might help them out a little bit in terms of some of these tackles and wide receivers falling to them. Because we can see guys like Trevon Merrick, the number one safety in this class out of TCU, he's still on the board. Christian Barmore, I, I thought for sure he was going in the first round, defensive tackle out of Alabama, but he's still on the board. Uh, so he he will go, I think, early in the second round here. Aziz Ajulari, we'll see what happens with him because you know there's there's a lot of talk about medicals being an issue with him. That could be a reason why he fell out of the first round because he's a first-round talent. It's just you know, it, the medical is an issue there. That could be a reason for a fall. Uh, the Ronnie Perkins, Nick Bolton, like you mentioned, uh, a lot of interesting defensive players still on the board. So that could help out the Bears here, whether they take one of these guys or whether they let these these guys go ahead of them and let some of these tackles and wide receivers fall to them at 52. That's very interesting to keep note of because that could really help them out. Uh, the board, like I said before, it's falling pretty perfectly for them right now. So they have to let this play out. I saw a comment here, uh, Mr. Dyer. Talking about trading up uh, 10 spots with a six-round pick to grab a wide receiver or off to tackle. Um, one, I don't think a six-round pick is going to be enough to trade up. I think uh, based off of most uh, draft board values, you're going to have a fourth-round pick to move up in the second round, especially with those many slots. So I, I think moving up is off the table for the Bears unless they're dipping into future draft picks, which I don't think they'll do uh, because they uh, obviously made their move to get up and get a quarterback. You know, I think uh, – they would be best staying at 52 or trading down and letting the board play up for them because it's they're going to get a good player at 52. It's just a matter of who it is, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I, I think when you talk about trading up 10 spots, Mr. Dyer here, well, number one, the team that's trading, the team that's picking at 42 is actually the New York Giants. And I know Ryan Pace said he's known <laughs> yeah. Dave Gettleman for two decades, but there's no way the Bears and Giants are going to double down on a trade. But I think ultimately no, I you look so. at it, what has to happen here is Ryan Pace has shown that he's not afraid to emphasize quality over quantity mm-hmm. at all, which honestly is the way to go. But just with the way the board is shaking out, you know, I honestly would not be like you're talking about wide receiver, right? I just think overall with this offense, you need to add more dynamic Matt Nagy styled or mm-hmm. guys that fit the Matt Nagy mold in terms of pass catching. So I would actually be okay with there's two tight ends that are on the board. I would not mind the Bears drafting Pat Freermuth or Brevin Jordan. And we know that oh, yeah. they yeah, we know the Bears have done their homework on Brevin Jordan. But Pat Freermuth, I think, would be Travis Kelsey Light. You look at him while at Penn State, highly productive player, had about 1,300 receiving yards, I believe, in like 95, nearly 100 receptions, something like mm-hmm. that. But also you look at Freermuth. Okay, so he's played lined up on the line of scrimmage. He's played in the slot, okay? He's a really good route runner. He is physical. He can make catches through traffic. Pat Freermuth ultimately would be a perfect complement to Cole Komet. Yeah, Freermuth was a guy that I mocked the Bears in my last mock draft uh, right before the, um, in, our, in our latest podcast episode, I think before our, our draft preview. But uh, Freermuth is very interesting because he could be an interesting fit at 52 as well because – you kind of said it. He's kind of the exact opposite of Cole Komet in terms of, you know, neither of these guys are, are I would say, are explosive athletes necessarily, but Freemuth is a much more natural wide uh, receiver than Cole Komet. Cole Komet's more that traditional inline tight end, uh, more of that blocker type uh, that can catch passes in the flat, get yards after the catch, but isn't somebody that's going to create a lot of separation as a rider, as a receiver, uh, doesn't run, run the Christmas, Christmas routes, and he's not the quickest guy in and out of his breaks. So, Freemuth, he's a very polished receiver. So, you know, that might be a lot of Bears fans may not like that pick just because, you know, why are we double dipping a tight end and back to back years? Uh, but Freemuth and, and Komet, they play different roles at their position. They it, It's almost like two completely different positions because Freemuth, he's going to be out wide a lot more. He's going to be in the slot a lot more. He's not going to be in line as much as, as a guy like Cole Komet. So you can't imagine it as taking two tight ends. You're, t- you're taking two different positions there is what it is. But I still think they're going to try and go for someone explosive here for a wide receiver. So let's get into these wide receivers then because I think some of the guys that best fit what I think Matt Nagy is looking for, Elijah Moore is still on the board. He's the best slot receiver still on the board right now, in my opinion. 5'10", 178 pounds, but explosive speed, very quick in and out of his brace, great route runner, solid hands. Uh, you know, he was a guy that was being talked about as a first-round talent as well. I thought you know, he would have been a great fit for the Packers at 31. I'm really happy they passed up on him because uh, he's really, really good. Uh, if he falls to 52, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the guy that the Bears end up going with there. Look at some of these other names on the board here. I talked about Eskridge already. He's, I think he's a third-round guy, but if they were to pick him the second round, that wouldn't be surprising at all because he does bring that speed. He's another guy that the Bears had a lot of contact with in the pre-draft process. process. I talked to him at his pro day. Uh, he said that he met with the entire Bears brass, like GM, coaching staff, like everybody. So they are obviously very interested in Dwayne Eskridge. I would not be surprised if he's a pick. Yeah, Mr. Di- Rondell Moore is another guy. Diami Brown, those are two other guys here that could be uh, options. Uh, Rondell Moore, you know, the medical thing is really going to be the thing that, you know, what's his mes- medical situation? Because the talent's great. 
uh, he has borderline first round ability as a, as a receiver in terms of, you know, after the catch, the ability to be in the slot, uh, create quick separation on, on uh, you know, option routes and getting the ball after the catch and, and just making plays. But what is the health situation? Because he's had injuries galore throughout his career, and that's not something that goes away necessarily, I, I think, uh, once he gets to the NFL. And then Diami Brown, he's interesting. Uh, he's more of a deep threat type of player. Uh, they kind of have that in Darnell Mooney, but I mean, you can never add too much speed, I, I don't think. But uh, Diamond Brown, he's a guy that you know, I feel like a lot of people are hyping up a little bit too much. He's more of a he's been considered a second round guy. I think he's more of a third, fourth round talent, in my opinion. Uh, so if he's there at 83, like I, I wouldn't mind that pick at all. But second round might be a little bit too rich for me, uh, especially with some of these other guys on the board that I do like a little bit more than Diamond Brown. It's not that he's a bad player, but. Uh, I like Eskridge a little bit more. I like Amari Rogers a little bit more than Diamond Brown. Uh, there are some options here. Elijah Moore and, and the the Moors in general, those two are awesome. So those would be fantastic picks at 52. Yeah, we'll get to the Sam Cosme comment by Mr. Dyer in just a moment here. But I think Rondo Moorman's like whatever, 180 pounds or something. And certainly, yeah, he burst onto the scene as a true freshman in Purdue. But the last two years, the production's taking a big hit and so you really question that durability factor and i think the durability factor is just so much more important this year because the reality of the situation is that again teams are still getting last minute medical info as of like one o'clock eastern yesterday and that's hours before the draft and so when we have that you know the bears do tend to shy away from players who have had significant medical issues but speaking of samuel cosme honestly i would not mind here's the thing Here's my personal opinion. I do not want the Bears to trade up tonight to sacrifice more draft capital, but I would rather that they trade down. But at the end of the day, right, Samuel Cosby is a really interesting player because he's kind of played on both sides. While he was at Texas, he did play on both sides of the offensive line. With the way things are looking right now, I would say that the Bears are going to go into 2021 with Charles Leno Jr. as the left tackle. But then what they're going to do is have a new right tackle. And I think that right tackle Cosby could be a perfect fit to where he plays on the right side of the O-line in year one. And then boom, year two, when he's kind of acclimated to the speed of the NFL game, he shifts fully over to the left side and just becomes the future at left tackle for the bears. Yeah. Cosby, again, I, I talked about it earlier. He's a guy that I love. He's my number four tackle in his class, you know, athleticism off the charts, uh three-year starter at Texas Went up against a bunch of good pass rushers in the uh, Big 12, and he did well against those guys. So uh, he's somebody I'm confident starting right away. Like, if you were to draft Cosme, I honestly wouldn't be opposed to just cutting Leno and saving that cap space and just slotting him into left tackle because I think Cosme can make it work right away. Uh, his his technique is all over the place, though. So, uh, you know, uh, that, that's something you have to work with there. So maybe you, you – uh, you know, develop him for a year and just have him go, like you say it said, maybe come at right tackle for a year or, you know, sit him for a year and have him be the left tackle in 2022 because, you know, Lennon's going into the last year of his deal. So he's probably not going to be here if they take a tackle uh, beyond this season. So I, I just I just feel like it, w- it wouldn't be the wise move to trade up. Like you say it said, you know, they made their big move up to get their guy. Uh, at this point, I, th- I think they would be best off either staying at 52 or trading down, getting another pick on uh, you know in the round four, round five, and seeing what they can do there uh, because they do have some other needs to address. They they need to address the offense for sure on day two here. They need to get I think another uh, receiving weapon and an offensive lineman. Um, 
But yeah, if they can trade back, I think that would be ideal. Trading up, you know, I wouldn't hate it to get Cosme because he's a great player. Uh, but I think there are other avenues I think they can traverse, and uh, it would be it would be a lot better to just let the board play out and let it fall to them at this point. Yeah, I think just when you ultimately look at it, something just screams to me, man, that they're going to go offensive tackle tonight or offensive lineman tonight because yeah. you touched on this earlier, right? There's just so much talent. I mean, Josh Myers and Wyatt Davis, two more Ohio State guys yeah. that the Bears could go ahead and take. But then also you look at just Ryan Pace's draft history. The two offensive linemen he's taken have both come in round two, and that was James mm-hmm. Daniels and Cody White here. So with the level of talent that's at offense available, both interior and the tackles right now, there's a lot, right? There's a lot of really good talent to grab at offensive line and then other positions like we've touched on, but kind of moving on from day two here, I see Mr. Dyer says, well, you have four, six rounders. How many of those are going to make the team better in the long term? I would say, you know, for your six rounders, just looking at Ryan Pace's draft history, I would say probably one or two of them at best because a lot of those six round picks that Pace has had over the last couple of years, they've been Duke Shelley, Kendall Vildor, Jordan Howard was another one, but ultimately with those, or Jordan Howard was a fifth or sixth rounder, I forget. But ultimately, yeah. yeah, fifth rounder. But ultimately with those day three picks, especially the fifth, sixth, seventh round, kind of what tends to happen is you're just bringing those guys in for depth purposes. And that's a lot of what the Bears day three picks have developed into. Now there are exceptions like, um, Bilal Nichols, well, Bilal Nichols was a fifth rounder, but anyway, there are exceptions like Bilal Nichols, you know, every time. Yeah. You don't want to bank on these six rounders being anything, uh, of some sense for your roster. But the thing is like how much value to, the thing you have to, to equate into here when thinking about this in terms of a trade aspect of things is how much value do they have, you know, just in general, because if we're saying that, you know, these six rounders, what's their chance of being contributors in, in, in the long run here? That has to equate to other teams here in terms of making a trade up. Because where are they going? Are they going to value these six rounders at all? Either when they can just take their guy at the pick they're at, and you know get something of value there. So they have to you have to put that into perspective there. I think when you're talking about the six rounders, you're more about talking about trading up with them to get to the fifth round to get an extra pick in the fifth round. I think is more of the more realistic scenario, in my opinion. Uh, talking about trading up with them on day two, it just feels like the value isn't going to be there because those teams. Uh, especially in this draft, because it, there's so much uncertainty right now. Uh, there's just you don't know what the depth is going to be like with this class, just because of COVID and uh, all the opt-outs and all that stuff. I feel like a lot of teams are just going to want to get their guys. Um, so if you're going to trade up, you're going to have to overpay a little bit because we saw with the Bears. Technically, if you look at most of the of the uh, the draft charts, they overpaid a little bit for uh, Justin Fields there. The first round pick, it was a little bit of an over, technically an overpay, um, but. You know, for a quarterback, that makes all the sense in the world. Does that make sense for a tackle in a deep tackle class or a wide receiver in a deep wide receiver class? I'm not sure. So had to keep that in mind here. So I think if they can patch it, package a couple six-round picks to get to the fifth round, that would be something I think we would all be a fan of because, you know, what's the value of those six-round picks, like you said? Uh, on day two, though, uh, they might be out of luck there in terms of using those picks to trade up is uh, my thinking here. Yeah, and speaking of those six-round picks, I certainly think it's interesting because do you think that the Bears could – because they already trade up for fields, right? But do you think a realistic scenario, knowing that there are a couple of these other quarterbacks, you know, like, okay, so 
tonight, here's the deal. I don't see the Bears drafting. Kellen Mond's going to be off the board tonight. I just have a feeling in the third round, but I don't see the Bears take. Yeah. Yeah. Kellen Mond, Davis Mills, those guys are totally out the window. Kyle Trask is a prospect who I know when we were at the Florida Pro Day, he talks about, well, I've met with a majority of NFL teams. The Bears weren't specifically mentioned. I don't see the Bears taking Trask, but because the sixth round picks were brought up, right? Do you think the Bears go ahead and take a quarterback just as a young flyer, especially knowing that, all right, we have expanded practice squad rosters now, and we mm-hmm. know Andy Dalton's not going to be here beyond 2021. Nick Foles certainly is not going to be here. You have your future in Justin Fields, but I do think it would make sense to take a young guy that you can just continue to kind of stash away and develop as a solid backup. Um, Maybe in the sixth round. I, I don't think mm-hmm. – definitely not their second or third round picks. They, they need instant impact with those two picks, but – I could maybe like maybe take like a Shane Buchel in the sixth round as like a practice squad guy. Uh, honestly, I would I would wait uh, for the UDFA market because, like you said, you had two quarterbacks under contract now with Nick Foles and Andy Dalton. Like I know they're not long term answers here, but you can figure out the backup quarterback situation later. In my opinion, like uh, Justin Fields, he's your guy. You want to get as much talent as, as possible, so you want to help him out. So if you can use as many of these picks as possible to get guys in here um, to help out Justin Fields on offense. That's what you do. Otherwise, like this defense has some holes as well. They need a long-term safety. They need cornerback help. They need linebacker depth. Uh, they could use another pass rusher, whether it's on the outside or in the inside. Uh, so they, they have a lot of other needs here. So I, I don't think using another draft pick on a quarterback, they're, they're just not in a situation. with their If they had a lot of draft capital, let's say they had like a bunch of picks on, on day three in the fourth, fifth, and sixth, seventh round, maybe you'd take a flyer on a guy just to be a long-term backup. But as of right now, their main focus should be trying to either fill gaps and get some depth on defense or trying to get guys that can help out uh, Justin Fields maximize his potential. So, uh, you know, and we'll see. Maybe they can uh, use the fact that some of these guys like Mond and Mills are going to go high on day two. Maybe they can use that to their advantage in terms of the trade-down market. They can, you know, get some of these teams that are trading up to maybe – overpay a little bit and get some extra draft capital that could be where these quarterbacks come into play here because let's say a team like uh you know pittsburgh or you know what's another team here not the patriots because they're ahead of the bears but uh the tampa bay buccaneers for example tampa bay buccaneers yeah let's say they they say they want to get you know a long-term backup or maybe a potential like developmental guy or maybe the saints here uh that could be another option as well maybe one of those teams, let's say, they want to get a guy in the second round here that they can sit and develop and see if they can get something out of. You could leverage that and, and maybe get a couple extra draft picks from that. So uh, that would be where these quarterbacks come into play here. But in terms of, like, will they be taking quarterback? No, I, I think they're going to be trying to help out Justin Fields as much as possible, getting some mm-hmm. weapons, offensive line help, and uh, filling some holes on defense as well. Yeah, I think when we look at day two and three specifically, and you kind of talked about how, oh, well, what about some of these other teams? I see another team, the Los Angeles Rams at 57th overall. Now, the Rams, yeah. obviously, they're short on cap, or they're short on draft picks, but Les Ned, the general manager there alongside Sean McVay, he's always shown 
that we're not really going to sit here and stand pat. If we want to move up, we'll move up. And I know they just trade two first-round picks for Matthew Stafford, but, hey, they do need a quality backup to Uh Matthew Stafford. And so the Rams are another team to watch. But I think one position, because we talked about the tight ends in Brevin Jordan, Freemurth. We talked about the wide receivers with Elijah and Rondo Moore, Dynami Brown, Amon Ross St. Brown. I mean, we've hit on every position pretty much. But one position I think would be really interesting would be safety because we saw – no safeties come off the board in round one and going into this draft my thoughts were it's not an overly strong safety class or it's not something that's going to completely blow you out of the water but there are guys like Travion Moore, Jamar Johnson, Javon Holland, even Richie Grant, Andre Sisco Um, those are some really interesting prospects Hamza Nasiruddin who I know you labeled as kind of overrated but there's Mm -hmm. still some really interesting safety talent here and yeah the Bears did bring back to Sean Gibson but again it's just like a revolving door at this point because ultimately Gibson's back on a one-year deal but the Bears they've been doing this for the last couple years now we're at safety it's just like hey we're gonna ink a guy to a one-year deal we're not really gonna have a true option at all I think uh, Javon Holland could be another interesting name or Richie Grant. Uh, Javon Holland specifically because he, he kind of fills like two needs in one because he's not only not only is he a safety, but he can like he can go into the box a little bit and he can match up against wide receivers in the slot as a slot cornerback. Like, he could fill two positions in one here for you. A uh, very versatile player. Like Holland's a guy that I really like. Um, I don't think he's a the guy they go with in the second round. Maybe they do. Um, if they really think that uh, they are really that desperate for – secondary help but uh he's a very interesting prospect uh merrick's still on the board i think he'd be a perfect fit next to eddie jackson uh just the way he plays the game as a coverage safety to get two really high-end coverage players at the safety spot would be huge for this defense especially with uh sean desai here getting two guys that he likes there at that safety spot that would be huge for what he wants to do here um, and my favorite of, of the bunch is richie grant uh, I, I just love his game out of central florida and again smaller school but I saw him down at the Senior Bowl. He dominated the Senior Bowl. Like he was an absolute stud down there. So um, there are some options here at safety. I, I want to discount it, but I think the wise thing here, and the thing that I think the the move that I think the Bears are going to go with here, the strategy is going to try to upgrade the offense because they made their mm-hmm. right now they are invested in getting Justin Fields, you know, being the best possible quarterback that he can be. And how do you do that? You get in protection. You get him weapons. You get him a good infrastructure around him. You get him the coaching staff stability. You do everything you can to get Justin Fields to a point to where he has everything he needs to be a successful NFL quarterback. And if that's their strategy, I that would be where I, I would go. Um, and, yeah, Jordan Lucas as well, Marquis Christian. Those are two guys on the roster as well. You still have Deion Bush on the roster. Uh DeAndre Houston Carson is still on the roster. So they have some safety depth. They just don't have that long-term starter. So if they're looking for a long-term starter, like those are some of the names I just listed, you know, Merrick, uh, Grant, Javon Holland. Uh, Jamar Johnson out of uh, Indiana is another interesting name in the second or third round as well. But, uh, you know, no, I, I think they are fully invested on getting Justin Fields the help that he, need, that he needs. Um, and that's where I think they're going. Safety would be interesting on day three because there are some interesting players on day three they could target uh, in that sixth or fifth round area. But uh, offense, I think, is going to rule the day here on day two. And that's exciting because the Bears, uh, you know, the offense has been bad the last two years. So if you can get some help on offense, uh, that would be fantastic, I think. 
Yeah, I think you talk about the offense, right? And I certainly do see the Bears going in this direction of continuing to invest in the offense because we have to understand is that the what Chicago traditionally has been known as a defensive-minded franchise. And you look at Ryan Pace's first couple of years here, they invested so much into the defensive side of the ball that it got to the point where they were investing in the defense and really neglecting the offense. And the defense's cap hit in 2021, I believe, is going to be a little over like, yeah, yeah it's going to be like a little over $100 million. And I think it's $117 million the last time I checked, but I think that's gone down now because they obviously saved $10 million or something like that by cutting uh, Kyle Fuller. But then also you look at it, right? The Robert Quinn contract is really something that inflates it. Yeah, you're getting Eddie Goldman back, but your defense is, while your defense is getting a year older, anytime you move up for a young quarterback, you need to invest and build around that young quarterback. And so you need to get, I think what the Bears are going to do tonight is this, is they're going to draft an offensive lineman, and then they're going to go ahead and they're going to find kind of a true third wide receiver that can come in and possibly unseat Anthony Miller or just someone that's going to continue to push Anthony Miller because ultimately right now that is really the direction that the Bears need to continue going into. I mean, they invested so much in offense. It kind of caught up. I'm sorry. They invested so much in defense. It caught to them to the point where now it's just like, hey, you're my head coach. A guy who's trying to think so you need to invest in or continue to overhaul the offense and Justin Fields that was just the start of it yeah you know you know I'm just gonna say this right here uh you know I'm a Bears fan obviously like I love defensive football as much as anybody like I love seeing you know the Cleo Max Brian Erlockers or Oakland Smith I, lo- I love seeing those guys destroy offenses and do their thing like that's part of my it's it's in my bloodline that's you know to root for the, that type of style of football, but at this point, you just have to say screw it to tradition at this point if you're the Bears and go all in on what's, you know, the, the NFL is trending now, and that's an offensive-minded league. And, you know, you have your offensive-minded head coach with Matt Nagy here. Uh, you want to help him out as much as possible, getting him the type of talent that he needs for his offense. They have to go offense, in, in my opinion. You know, if there's a, a great talent on the board at defense, you know, maybe consider it, but uh, you invested this much in Justin Fields. You made that big investment for a quarterback. You have needs on the offensive side of the ball. It's time to invest in it and really go after it because you know, like you said, said they're spending a lot deep. They're spending a lot of resources on the defense right now, and you know, I still think their defense can be pretty good for the next two or three years here. You know, they're getting older. Obviously, they're going to need to start moving on from some of these guys soon. But in the meantime, they're not a bad. They're, they're a pretty good defense still. So you can. You can wait, you know, you can hold on to them for a little bit longer here while you get this offense to a point where they can be the, the driving force for this team, in my opinion. And that's what their goal should be. This is an offensive minded league. Let's get it to the point where this offense is the driver for this team and make it so that we are winning games because we're gonna be outscoring teams instead of having to rely on our defense, keeping teams from scoring in general, I think. And that's that's the way they needed to go here, in my opinion. And I think it's a good way to transition you say it into to kind of our bold prediction for tonight. Uh, so I, I want to go with you here. Give me your picks at round two and in round three here. Who do you think the Bears are going to be going with, whether multiple guys here or maybe a guy that you're really looking at here? Uh, what are your predictions for tonight in terms of who they're going to go with in the second and third round? Yeah, I think tonight in the second round, what's going to happen is you're going to see one of these top-tier offensive tackles continue to slip. And I think the guy that's arguably going to slip is – 
for whatever reason, Tevin Jenkins. Because right now mm-hmm. with Tevin Jenkins' slide, it's very clear to me that the NFL going on. Something's going on with him. Continue, yeah, <laughs> sir. Yeah, um, I think with Tevin Jenkins, right? Something's going, like you mentioned, right? Something's going on to the point where the draft Twitter community and the fans were significantly higher on him than mm-hmm. the NFL is because every single mock draft I saw that was written by people we knew all had Jenkins going no later than like 20th overall. But I think Tevin Jenkins continues to slide tonight and he's going to be a pick that the Bears are really going to value. I also think that at 80, well, Aside, before I get into 83rd overall, I think that other picks to keep an eye on are going to be the Ohio State guys. And that's why mm-hmm. Davis and Josh Myers, both of those offensive linemen, because Pace talked about how Matt Nagy has a relationship with Ryan Day, the, and the Bears have ties into the Ohio State football program. That tidbit right there is so valuable because you do have Davis and Josh Myers that theoretically could come in and start for the Bears day one. Um, so I think the Bears go either Jenkins, Davis, or Myers in round two. And then round three, I'm going to go ahead and say they grab a wide receiver. I think that a guy like Dwayne Eskridge or Amari mm-hmm. Rogers are going to be there at 83rd overall. I was going to go with Eskridge in the third round as well. He's 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 one of my favorite players. So I think they go with Eskridge in the third round uh, as well. But in the second round, this could be interesting here because – it. I agree. I think one of these tackles will fall to them, but if not, I'm going to put on another name here uh, to watch out for. Uh, that's Creed Humphrey out of Oklahoma, center from Oklahoma. He's the best center in this draft, in my opinion. The Bears still have a need at center. Uh, obviously, they have Sam must first started there right now, but I don't view him as a long-term starter. I view him as a backup long-term. And Creed Humphrey, he's a guy that plug and play. He's going to be a Pro Bowl caliber center right away for you in the middle of your offensive line. You have white hair on the left side. You have James Jones on the right side. Do you have a recipe there for maybe the best interior offensive line in the NFL with those three guys there? So uh, I would not be surprised if Creed Humphrey would be the pick there in the second round, uh, just because he brings a lot to the table, I think, for what they want to do with their blocking schemes in terms of a zone blocker, the way he can bend and, and anchor and pass protection. Brings a lot to the table there. I, I would want to say they go to tackle here. If, if if Cosme is there at 52, I think they go with Cosme because they brought in uh, Helfridge, uh, not Helfridge, uh, I think Todd Herman, I think it was, from Texas. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of be like an offensive like assistant for them. Uh, and he coached Samuel Cosme, obviously, at Texas. So if Cosme is there, I think they're going to go with Cosme because he brings a lot to the table as a lot of tackle there. But, again, don't be surprised if it's, if it's Creed Humphrey there, if he's there at 52 because Ryan Pace, he's done this before in the past. He likes to build his offensive lines from inside out. And if he can secure that interior offensive group with Creed Humphrey and Daniels and Whitehair as his guards, uh, that might be something they are interested in. And I agree. They're going to go with wide receiver at some point in this draft. I think Dwayne Eskridge would be the perfect fit in the third round. So those are my bold predictions. I think Humphrey or Cosby in the second round, uh, Eskridge in the third round. Yeah, those are our bold predictions, guys, but we're a little over an hour here, so we're actually going to be wrapping this thing up. Seriously, guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Um, You can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Koshal. You can follow Andrew on Freeman at AJ Freeman 25 Check out the artwork on the Bear Report, guys. Follow us 
the Bear Report on Twitter at Bear Report. We're on YouTube by the same name. Facebook, we're at Bear Report Scout. Our publisher, Zach Pearson, couldn't be here. All right. Our other guy, Aaron Lemming, could not be here either. But we're going to be doing a lot more of these guys in the future, more live shows. So really keep an eye out. We appreciate you guys tuning in for this first one. But. We'll be live tweeting tonight during round two and three, guys, as well as all day tomorrow. So be sure to check that out. But have a great Friday afternoon. We'll catch you guys later. Bear down, Bears fans. Let's go. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.